Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, Tim. Ben. Welcome to the 10th episode of Two Drunk Accountants. Hey, we're on double digits. Yeah, you'll notice this week that I have not allowed Tim to do the intro again. Never again. Because he royally buggered it up last I'm, week. I'm a bad boy. <laughs> I shouldn't even let you talk on the podcast, if I can be honest. <laughs> Punish me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, our viewership just went down from n- nothing to nothing. I have a strong following, I'll have you know that, Dan. <laughs> 17 followers on Twitter. That's how many people you're following. No, that's how many people follow me. Oh, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Why? You think you'd be higher. What, did you make 16 other accounts? I'm not following you. <laughs> no, I know your password and I logged in and <laughs> gave myself a follow. All right. Well, uh, Tim, what's up this week? What's the Tim and Danlo? It's the Tim and Danlo. What have you been doing? Um. Well... I've been a bit busy on Twitter, Dan. Uh, I know <laughs> you have, of, yeah. <laughs> I uh, spent some time on Saturday morning mm-hmm. following and uh, commenting, retweeting. You did. Liking. You did. Many other Twitter functions had and yep. <clears throat> carried out. My highlight of the week, um, it had to be, Dan, when I tweeted the AFL Fantasy podcast and they liked my tweet. Yeah, that, that was a big moment. It popped up on my phone. I saw it. I thought, what's Tim up to now? You know, what's, what's this larrikin doing? Uh, clearly, he's been, he's been posting about AFL too much. And yeah, they, they liked your tweet. But I'd say the highlight of my Twitter week wasn't the AFL fantasy. No? It was uh, zero commented on a few pre- of our tweets. I guess that was pretty good too. Uh, we had, uh, what's it, Hubdoc? Was it Hubdoc? Or? Yeah, Hubdoc replied to us. Yeah, we had, we had a lot of replies this week. We're big on the Twitterverse. Some guy told us to keep checking out FreshBooks. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Twitter's weird and like that. And then he'd tell Look. everyone that liked our yeah. post, to, have you checked out FreshBooks? Trent McKins, the mm. uh, the managing director of Zero, followed yes. us. Yeah, he did. He that did. Was G'day. exciting. Hey, how are you going? Yeah, uh, Trent, if you're listening, thank you very much. We'd love to have it on the podcast, Trent. Yeah, definitely. Send us a message. Yeah, we'd love to hear some of the insights, some of the upcoming uh, developments. Yeah. On the platform. Definitely. So yeah, Twitter was pretty exciting for me this week. Never really gotten into social media, but this week I got excited about You'd, Twitter. Yeah, I think when you realized that you could comment people that you respected and they would yeah. reply. It was amazing. It was a, your your mind was blown. It was so good. Even ah, oh, special mention to Ralph Horowitz. Yep. Co co host of the Croft and Hurdy podcast. Mm. He's the guy that basically runs the ship. A bit like you with our podcast, Dan. Yes. Croft and Hurdy are the people that bring the listeners mm. and Ralph just basically steers the ship. Yeah. I don't think that's right. I think <laughs> I think I'm like Yeah. Him. I don't think that's right. <laughs> I think I'm like him with with, with Hurdy at the same time. Okay. Uh, so anyway, he, he, he liked my comment on their thingy. So mm. that was cool. Well, actually, this is this is a moment for me to reflect uh, and think back to a previous podcast where where I ripped into Hurdy. Repent, uh, repent. Dan. Yeah, I think I think I need to repent for my sins. Uh, you know, I, I gave him some crap in the name of getting a rise out of you, and that's just not fair on him or me. Or no, it was fair on you, not fair <laughs> on that's him. That's not fair on me. Hurdy seems like a good guy, and you know, I'm not giving him shit for anything that's happened. He's he's paid enough for whatever. 
sins he may have done in the past. And uh, I wish him all the best. From one podcast, one very successful podcast to another <laughs> successful podcast. Uh, I'll have you know that Herdy will probably never hear that because because of the original comments you made back in like episode three. Well, not with that attitude. I mean, if this gets out on Twitter that I apologized, he's going to be, oh, geez, you know, I'm, I'm, I can move on. Dan, right, Dan from Two Drunk Accountants has apologized. You are a big man. You are... I'm the big dog. You apologized. Remind me, reminded me of Larry David a little bit. <laughs> and when you apologize, I apologized. <laughs> I am a little bit Larry David type, I guess. Uh, maybe more Ross, but yeah, no, mm. that's fair enough. In, or Marshall. In, in a general, uh, in a general view, though, of the podcast, not just how well we're going on Twitter, but generally, uh, the podcast. Exceeding expectations. We yeah. last week's episode that was just released, so not the one we recorded last week, but uh, five episodes ago now, uh, as you're listening to this, was the episode on accounting software, mm. and it, for the first time, it had more listeners in the first week than the episodes before it had in total. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So it yeah. took less time for it to get more listens than the week before. Yeah, that had already been out for a week and a half. That's right. So it's not our best performing um, episode ever. That goes to episode one. <laughs> Means a lot of people listen and don't continue. Yeah. A lot of hype around episode one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but still, maybe we should re-record the growing. entirety of episode one. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's that's probably my Tim and Dan though this week, Tim. I'm cool. just uh, yeah excited about about the podcast. I like it, Dan. Hmm. So. Tim, business update. Business update. Mm. Do you have a business update this week? Mm. I'm assuming no. it's no. <laughs> <laughs> I've come unprepared to this one. Uh, uh, hold on, so let's see. I have a bit of a business update. Uh, I can think of a couple. One off the top of my head is that uh, the government is currently struggling to get their corporate tax rate reductions through. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah, I think there was a bit of a... And by the time this podcast comes out, that this might have all changed. But as of recording, there was a, a bit of strife with the One Nation and not supporting it. And then <laughs> that party splitting up. It's crazy that they hold the controlling vote. Um, but yeah, I think it's passed through to the Senate, but wasn't expected to go past there. So we'll see what happens. All of these tax things that we've been considering uh, may not go through. Well, I mean, that's no surprise in this political climate, really, is it? No, definitely isn't. Definitely isn't. But that's okay. We still look forward to the future and things are still looking good on our end. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I I don't really have anything specific um, mm. that I wanted to note, but mm. I still um, would love to know more about the way franchises are operating and how they're progressing in the modern day. Yeah. Uh, I was speaking to some franchise owners today, actually. Yeah. And um, some of the things they were telling me that their franchise was doing when they opened up their, their store, mm. not obviously going to name who they are. No. Um, but it caused their business to um, um, not succeed as well as it could have in the first yeah. 12 months of their operation. And it's just crazy. It's crazy. It's like they literally went to the franchise and like, these are the prices we want to set. The franchise mm. was like, no, set them lower and you can't open up until that happens. How crazy is that? That is crazy. I, I, I see it from, from the one side, you know, you, you need to be able to let your franchise 
uh, your franchisees run a business in the market conditions that they're in, in the area that they're in, uh, with the clients that they've got. However, I do see from the franchisor's point of view that they need to be a little bit strict in projecting their brand and their position within the market because it's not just that one branch or whoever they are that are uh, operating. It's you know potentially thousands of businesses that are try- trying to target a market or a, a specific position. Uh, but at the same time, they need to loosen the reins a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's because of there was another franchise, the same mm. brand, obviously, mm. in the... Not in the immediate area, mm. but charging a lower price. But they were established. Yeah. How can you expect new franchises to compete with that and then put them to, like, enforce them to charge a lower price? That just seems, like, un, um, mm. unfair, really. It doesn't seem like that you could even get away with that. But as a franchisor, I mean... Kind of do what you want. Yeah. It's written into the agreement. Yeah. So... Yes, yeah, so that was a bit alarming when I heard that. So, yeah, um, we've spoken a lot about franchises uh, on this podcast in recent weeks. I think, I actually think I've spoken to you more about franchises on the podcast than I have ever. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, we probably don't speak that much outside. But uh, it would be interesting to get, I wonder if there's like a franchise group or like um, body which we could mm. like invite for comment onto this show. I, I would think that there would be some legal body out there that represents franchisees against franchisors. Ooh, that would be so interesting. Uh, I think there definitely there definitely would be a group out there that is a service that franchisees can go to to get free legal advice and, and what they're allowed. They 100% would have to be one. Let's, we, let's, let's look it up. We should look this up because I'm actually really intrigued to see what their comments are on the, um, the current setting in the mm. marketplace. Um, yeah, because right. like we're, if we're noticing things... Um, just with our client base alone, mm. then um, extrapolate that out um, across the rest of the economy. And yeah, there's some interesting times happening. I agree, Tim. I agree. But however, that does bring us to <laughs> the main topic of today. Dan, you just sculled that beer so quick. I did. It wasn't even beer, oh, Tim. cider. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> We did put Still a... Still looking for the beer sponsor, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we are. They'll come about. They'll come about. Uh, I'm, I'm going to name them. You know what? It's because... I would like Six Strings Brewery, brewery on the coast to oh, be our sponsor. Me too. Wouldn't that be amazing? Just because I want to support a local brewery. Me too. Uh, I would do it for a long neck per annum. <laughs> per annum. <laughs> All right. Maybe I, per month. How about at least two drinks each per podcast, which is weekly. So a four pack a week. Four pack a week. I think that's that's a, that's, that's almost enough to get Dan drunk. That's more than enough. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners of the last podcast will know we don't handle that alcohol very well. We don't do it often, but we don't do it well. So, uh, yeah. So our main topic this week, uh, we thought, yes, we are a small business podcast. Uh, so we do talk about all of the small business issues that are out there and myths and mysteries to help you grow your business and understand the world that you're operating in, but you are still an individual at the end of the day and you're still going to have to lodge an individual tax return. Yeah, and it's, um, when we release this podcast, it's going to be right around the start of July. Yes, that's correct. So you're going to be having to lodge your return soon. So we thought we would have an overview and we, we can go into depth about each one of the sections we're about to discuss 
Uh, and we probably will when we start running out of topics. <laughs> but for the moment, we thought, let's just give a, an overview of an individual tax return, what you need to know, what are the rules around income, deductions, offsets, should you even have an accountant prepare yeah. it or should you do it yourself? What That's is right. the tax system? That's the first thing I'm thinking. If, if I'm an individual, mm. even a business owner, you could get an accountant to prepare your business work. And then, then you're thinking, well, do I get them to prepare my individual tax return? Yeah. So, so my answer to that would be if they're doing your business work, then yes, because there is going to be things that they might do in your return that affects your business work and vice versa. Best to do them all at the same time. Best to do them so all at the same time. So for a small business owner, yeah, absolutely. And it's compared to the cost of getting your business work done, it's really not yeah. that much. No. Um, and the convenience of just having someone do it for you, you're going to be busy when you're a business Plus owner. Plus there's usually tax planning involved. Exactly. There there's some wages, opportunities there. So dividends. Small business owner, definitely get your accountant to prepare your individual tax return. Mm-hmm. Now what about um, employees? Everyone else who at this time of year is thinking, it's tax time, we've got a refund come my way I've hopefully got a shoe box full of receipts <laughs> let me get that coinage <laughs> coinage um, what about them Dan Do, should they should they go to an accountant to lodge their tax yeah and and the answer to that is maybe <laughs> yeah it depends it depends so <laughs> have you ever been at a party by the way and someone's come up to you found out you're an accountant mm-hmm. they're like yeah lodge my own tax this year very proud of themselves. Yeah. Telling you about the deductions they made. Yep. And the, the epic refund they got. Yes. I have definitely been in that situation. Yeah. And uh, the other situation I have is they ask me advice and when I give them an answer that they don't want, they argue the point. <laughs> I get that a lot. No, I can claim that. Everyone else in my job claims that, Tim. <sighs> I, I can claim that. I can definitely claim my joggers as a physio. I've got a friend. You can't. We, right. both know him, right? we both know who this person is, all right? Yeah. And he's studying medicine. <laughs> yep. Still. I know who this is. Yeah. <laughs> I was catching up with him once because he yep. lived in Sydney for a while. And um, it's like, oh, yeah, is this guy real switched on? He's, uh, he's out there practicing and mm. oh, may, even, may even be a dentist, that person. But anyway, he was like, oh, yeah, he claims this, this and that. And, um, and I'm just, just straight up like, well, no, th- those aren't deductions. Like, I, I can assure you he's mm. not allowed to do that. Mm. He's like, oh, but he's doing it. So, mm. you must be able to. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You, someone who has no idea about tax, has never lodged a tax return because <laughs> you've been studying your entire life. <laughs> and that person who's a dentist has more idea than I have. Yeah, a professional yeah. in this area. You don't even know what he's talking about. He probably doesn't even know what he's talking yeah. about. And that is the first number one big problem yeah. of personal tax returns, Dan. Yeah, that's right. I... The the common answer I give to those to those kind of people and and the the shoes example I gave about being a physio is someone that we know. And, and <laughs> Wait, co- no, what? Wasn't it like bedside tables? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the common answer I give to that when they start arguing the point is, and especially this physio is, oh, that's right. Yeah, I've got a sore leg. I googled it. Everyone else told me that it's this. I know it's that. I don't need your advice. And he immediately goes, no, that's not right. And I go, exactly. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know what the intricacies of the tax laws are. Exactly. And they are, in Australia, very, very intricate. Yeah. There, there is a lot of rules, a lot of different uh, reasonings behind ATO rulings. Yeah. It's all established. Rulings. It's generally all established by court cases yeah. as well and exactly. precedents. Yeah. 
Um, and there's a lot of gray areas. Yeah, it d- just depends on your scenario. Mm, before we get into the reasons for and against having an accountant prepare your individual tax return, mm. I think what we've kind of leaned into here is the fundamental reason why there is this dispute. And it's mm. because the in Australia, your income tax is self-assessed. Yep. <laughs> which means you prepare a return including all the income you earn and the deductions you believe by looking at the rules that you are entitled to. I love this because people come to us, Dan, yeah. like, hmm, wait, can I claim this? Hmm. Can I claim X, Y, and Z? Hmm. You're like, well, we work in a self-assessed tax system, so you claim, claim whatever you want. Yeah, you can claim whatever <laughs> you would like to claim. And that's what happened to our friend's dentist friend. He was claiming whatever he wanted. <laughs> if the ATO don't review that, then yes, you can literally claim whatever you want, but not legally. Mm. You're not allowed to, but mm. you did. Yeah, so there's rules, there's mm. principles, yeah, and you have to abide by those when you self-assess your tax. Exactly. And the way that the ATO can determine if you don't assess, normally what they do is they target a few specific things every year. Let's say motor vehicle deductions. And anyone who looks like they have an unreasonable amount of motor vehicle deductions immediately gets sent a letter that says, hey, you claimed a lot this year in motor vehicle. You should have a look at that again. Just so you know, we will review you. Yeah. And you do have the next month to change your tax return yeah. if, there's, if that deduction wasn't quite accurate. <laughs> and it'd be the amazing the amount of calls we get that people say, hey, I got this letter about my motor vehicle deductions. I've had to think about it. You know what? <laughs> I did do a logbook, but it wasn't 90%. <laughs> yeah. It was actually 30 Now it's brought to my attention. It was a little bit lower yeah. than I originally estimated. So, yeah. So, that's that's the reason why we get in this, this dispute is because you you can put whatever you want in your tax return when you're lodging it yourself uh, because it is a self-assessed system. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, that's, that's where this dispute and a little bit of ambiguity comes in. Definitely. But if you actually... Talk to an accountant, someone who is a professional in this area, like Tim, like me, uh, you will get the correct answers. So, diving into that, what are the reasons for and against having an accountant prepare your individual tax return? Tim, I'll start us off. I'm going to start with four. Four? The four is that all? Reasons four. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, so, if you have a complex return, you have income that's more than just, say, a wage from an employer, uh, if you've got complex deductions. You know, it's not just a couple of bits of stationery or your phone. Uh, it's You've got capital gains. You've sold something. Then you're going to need somebody who knows what they're talking about, who knows what the rules are, to ensure that not only are you claiming the right thing, but you're getting the most that you can. So that would be the first reason. If you have a more complex tax return than just one employer with a couple of deductions. Definitely, you are someone who needs to go to see an accountant. The second one, uh, your sorry. The second one is uh, if you're actually not able to do it yourself online. Uh, let's say you don't have access to the internet, or you just physically aren't able to do it, or you're terrible with the internet, or you don't have the time, or simply you just don't want to. Pay an accountant to do it. They're going to do it right. They're going to do a good job. Absolutely. Get it done. Uh, the next one is your accountant, like me, not so much Tim, is an expert. 
<laughs> so they're going to... Turn it up, Dan. I taught you everything you know. <laughs> yes, whatever. <laughs> uh, so they're an expert in this area and they're going to be able to find you deductions that you might not even thought of. There might be offsets that you didn't even know existed that you're entitled to. Uh, could also work the other way. You might think you're entitled to a lot more than you actually are and they're going to save you a giant headache in the future when the ATO turns around and says, hey, actually, you know that $5,000 deduction you made? That doesn't exist. You can't do that. Absolutely. So, so they're going to save you headaches and they're going to be able to get you the maximum that you are legally allowed to claim. Yep. I agree with that, Dan. Yeah. And the final one that I can come up with four at the moment mm. is the fees are tax deductible. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that too. So mm. add to your tax deductions there. It's not actually depending on your income level. Yep. It's not going to cost you the full fee of the accountant's hmm. um, invoice because like, let's say your income's $89,000, Dan. Yes. Your tax rate is 37.5%, mm-hmm. if I am right, I think. That's about that. Pretty sure. And then there's Medicare levy on top of that. Yep. So you'll get about like 38, 39% back yep. um, of every dollar you spend on your accounting fees mm-hmm. in that instance. Yep. So if, if you... Uh, had a tax return that cost $100, which is cheap. Uh, essentially, you're only Super paying cheap. 60-something dollars for it uh, because exactly. there, there would be between 37 and 39.5% of tax. Exactly. I mean, isn't that worth it to um, have someone that you can um, run things by and get mm-hmm. advice from? Yep. Um, I think the other reason, another four under the four category for accountants is mm. that you can speak to them about other things than just your tax. Yeah, that's right. That's a really good point, actually. So, I mean, if you're thinking about investing, if you're thinking about um, insurance or um, um, buying a house, if you're thinking about um, planning for your retirement, your accountant is the gateway to all of those things. I mean, either they will help you with those services or introduce you to someone who can help you with those services. And if your accountant is a good provider, then they work with other good providers. It's just a natural um, progression. So Mm. that's that's a handy relationship. You can find a lot of good contacts through your accountant. Yeah, that's right. And we are good examples of that. We have a great network of people that we know that provide useful things to our clients. Yeah. Uh, you know, our target market isn't individual tax returns, but we do have a lot of them. Uh, and we do have services that these people can access, including mortgage brokers, including financial planners, including insurance brokers, including anything that you might need. Uh, we have people who can help you. And these are people that we've worked with and trust and provide you know, an equal service to us. And not only that, Dan, when it comes to getting finance or um, working with a financial planner yeah, uh, for even insurance purposes, it's really handy to have a backlog of records mm. such as tax return copies, notice of assessments, yep. yada, yada, yada. Yeah. <laughs> so your accountant can access all of that for you. If you have one accountant, they have all your records from the last several years, mm-hmm. They can work with your broker or your financial planner. Yeah. And is that worth the 70% of the cost of their invoice? Probably. I think it probably is. <laughs> How many times have you had an iReturn client, Tim, that's come to you and you've said, oh, I'm about to, you know, we need to process your return. Uh, do you have a copy of your last year's tax return because you're a new client with us? And yeah. they say, oh, I lodged it on e-tax. Yeah. I have nothing. 
all you have is a notice of assessment telling you your taxable income. Usually, and even if they have that. Yeah, usually they don't have that. Luckily, these days, we can actually get that for them for the past five years or so. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely handy to have all that information with one person that these other people, your bank, your financial planner, yep. your insurance broker, your mortgage broker can contact and say, hey, I need all this. And we can gather it and send it straight them straight to them for you. So it's not just the tax return that you normally get if you have a good accountant. Absolutely. Uh, so, Tim, what would you say? And I've got a few. What would be the reasons not to use an accountant? If you were us and you had excellent knowledge of the tax system and you could lodge your own tax, mm-hmm. go for it. Yeah, I think. Um, also, if you have a very simple tax return. Yeah. That that would be mine. I would say that if you are somebody who, you know, you have one job during the entire year, they gave you a payment summary, you didn't have any investments, you don't have any complex deductions, you know, you, you don't use your own car for work, you didn't have to buy anything for work, you don't use your phone, you don't use anything for work, work pays for everything else that you need. So literally, all you might have is, you know, you, you've, you've put a $20 donation to the uh, Cancer Council this year. Hmm then it's probably not worth you paying that money to get your tax return done. Other than if you just want the convenience. Correct. Other than you fall into other categories. You want the convenience and you want your accountant to hold that information for you and you want advice and other things. Yeah. So they're somebody that probably won't find a lot of value in getting a tax return done by somebody like us. Mm. Uh, The other reasons which more and more people might find is that it is getting easier and easier to lodge the return yourself. I got some stats here, Dan, because yep. I knew this point would, would rear its ugly head. Yeah. No, no, actually, I do think that um, it's called my tax these days. Mm-hmm. I think it's an awesome thing. Um, yeah. E-tax, I actually <laughs> helped some friends lodge their tax through I did E-tax too. back in the day. It was a nightmare to get through. Yeah, wasn't it? <laughs> it was It was terrible. the worst. Mm. So, like... Well done if you ever lodged your tax through e-tax. Yeah, but, it was uh, harder than going to your accountant. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, it's called my tax these days. So we've got some stats from the 2015-2016 income year, so mm-hmm. 2016 financial year. Yep. Um, 25.3% of every return that was lodged was lodged via my tax. Oh, it's actually lower than I expected. Uh, I agree. I agree. I do expect lower. to see that... I do expect to see that increase. Interesting to note, Dan, 2.3% were other self-preparers. So Paper? <laughs> it must be paper. <laughs> wow. How crazy is that? Can you even get paper tax forms for the 2016 tax year? You must. You must, must be, be able to. I'm somewhere. pretty sure after 31st of October, you can't lodge a paper return um, on my tax anymore for that financial year. I don't know. I'm, that might no, be wrong. No, that's not right. No, but... Oh, well, okay. I'm thinking e-tax here. If you were into the next financial year, then you couldn't download the previous year's... Uh, yes, that is correct. ...software. So, I don't know if my tax is like that anymore. No, it's not. You can lodge any year from my Okay, tax. great. So, yeah. I used to have a lot of friends from footy who mm. would not lodge two years and then yep. come to me for the third year and I'm like, you've got two years to lodge. Like, mm. you're going to get... I can see you're going to get like 200 bucks back. Mm. Do you just want me to lodge them for you? And they're mm. like, oh, I guess I could try and do it. I'm like, you can't even do it through mm. e-tax. It just won't let you. Yeah. You can't download that year's software anymore. Yeah, they did, in, they did improve that. Um, you can lodge the past three, I think it's from 2014 onwards in, in my tax. And yeah, so it is easy to do. 
Uh, the ATO have a lot of your income, especially if you wait a little while already for you. So your employer has reported your income and your tax withheld. The banks have reported interest. Uh, any shareholdings you have, those companies have reported dividends that they've paid for you during the year. Uh, all that information's already there. Uh, they often tell you what your deductions were the previous year. So it is easier to do. However, you're still missing out the on advice? The, the advice, the convenience, and the extra value that accountants give you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can't convince someone who just has a really simple return to come to us and say, you know what? You're probably better off coming to us because you're not always going to be better off coming to us. Yeah. But most of the time, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. And just the convenience factor. Mm. Like you can just submit your information, know that it's going to be taken care of. Mm. Potentially, the ATO views returns lodged by a mm. tax agent Yeah, as more trustworthy than self-prepared lodgements. That's right. Um, it's just... Yeah, if you have anything that's slightly more complex, so higher income or um, higher volume of deductions, mm. unless you know someone that you can call to, to ask questions, mm. then it's really um, going to be probably better for you to speak to a professional. Yep, I agree. So that brings me to my next question, Tim. What professional should I go to? Aren't they all the mm. same? Should I go, you know, if, if I go down to H&R Block versus my local small business, uh, aren't these equivalent services? <laughs> yeah. Are they? Um, I guess, yeah, it, this is an interesting one. So, um, I guess what you're trying to say there, Dan, is does a cheap tax return preparation service compare mm. to a more expensive tax return preparation service. Yeah, that's right. And the value is in the eye of the beholder here, really, mm. if you ask me. So, H&R Block or ITP, those sorts of things, they've always been traditionally lower cost providers. Yep. They will actually only set up shop generally between like July and end of October because that's the tax season for them. Yeah. The people providing the tax returns, and this is nothing against those companies, absolutely nothing. No. But generally, I believe they're trained internally. Mm. They're not like a degree. They don't hold a degree or uh, they may have like a TAFE qualification or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I guess they may have a broad range of experience in lodging individual tax returns because that's all they do, yep. essentially. So, they're pigeonholed in that area. So, they don't ask them anything outside of that. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. How can I continue? They they get a bulk quantity, so you are mm. one of a large number of clients that they see. So probably lower service um, from them. Yeah, it really it really depends. I mean, I, I've heard that. Yep, that's right. Some of the people that work there, I'm sure some of them are accountants. Well, they have to. They have, have, have to have, have a tax agent. There. Yeah, so there would be proper accountants there that are probably Definitely. reviewing these things. But I have heard that a lot of the people that prepare them are someone who go in and do a seven-week course and then, you know, before tax season starts and then they're the ones doing most of the work. Um, But that doesn't, you know, and I'm not having a go at them. You know, the work's probably fine. It's, you know, they they wouldn't be able to risk lodging a lot of dodgy stuff. If it was just for convenience sake, if you have a simple tax return, beauty. Like, absolutely, I'd probably, if I had a lower income, so 30 grand of taxable income because I worked for half a year or just had a lower income, uh, didn't have many deductions and I just needed the return done and I couldn't be bothered doing it myself. Go to H&R Block. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. dead set. I would just call them and um, give them all the info they need and they Mm. could probably lodge it without even seeing me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I think think that's 100% right. You know, I think 
that it's cheaper, it's probably going to be fine, but you're not going to get the same advice that you'd normally get from a, a small business that has, you know, a couple of CPAs or degree qualified accountants that are preparing your returns for you. Uh, so yeah, so that's important. The other thing to think about, Tim, is you know, cheaper doesn't always mean worse, but more expensive doesn't always mean better. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I guess it's hard to put a value like a price on a price range on. Yeah, we've only got like our firm and what we've seen yeah. to gauge value of tax return services. Yeah, I mean, if if, if if I was a if all I had was a simple tax return, I had some income. No matter how much income that is, doesn't matter. Doesn't affect really most of the time uh, the complexity of your return. But just purely, you just got a wage. Yeah, and you're not making any deductions. And you've got yeah you know, one or two deductions. Nothing complex. No motor vehicle or anything yep. that requires a bit more work. Uh, if you're paying more than a few hundred bucks, even that's at the high end. You're being ripped off. <laughs> yeah, so probably more than two hundred dollars. Yep. Depending on the the service that they're providing you. Exactly. It depends around what else you're getting. Yeah. And that's the difference because you know H and R block, you're getting someone to prepare your turn probably correctly. It's probably all fine. Um, it's cheap and quick, but you're not going to get these extra services that we've just spoke about before. You're not getting yeah. the um, the relationships that we've got with other people. You're not getting the convenience of dealing with external people. Um, yeah, that that depth of um, expertise in other areas and then just individual tax returns yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, let's move on from this topic. Tim, so now let's move on to actually preparing a tax return. And we're not going to go into too much depth mm. here about each label and each thing. I think we're just going to give a broad overview of what you need to think about when you're preparing a tax return. The obvious first thing is income. <laughs> yeah, that's right. How much did you earn from your wages? Yeah. Other forms of income include interest, dividends, business income, rental income, employee share schemes, government payments, capital gains, foreign income, employment termination payments, other income <laughs> yes I know, that is why <laughs> um also centrelink and government payments i already said that no you didn't yes i did i no. said government payments it's like my fourth one or third one you suck i win <laughs> partnership and trust distributions oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> all right you won yes <laughs> <laughs> anyway so these are the types of income that you need to remember that you got during the year because it's pretty, it happens a lot that someone comes in, they go, yep, I got my payment summary here. They chuck it down. Uh, you say, great. Is this the only income you got during the year? You didn't have anything else? No, nothing else. You pull in some data that the ATO gathered and suddenly they've got 300 bucks worth of interest. And you say, hey, do you know the ATO had $300 worth of interest? And they go, oh, I didn't think about that. That happens all the time. Yeah, I had interest. I have a lot of money sitting in my bank account accruing interest. You go, that's right. Well, the ATO already knows. So it's best never to hide your income, just declare it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Obviously, there's people that receive cash income and that's not going mm. to pre-fill into any tax return. No. But uh, yeah, um, it's it's not worth really hiding it in my opinion because no. 
that really creates problems down the track for you. Yeah. You're not showing any income. So yep. who's going to lend you money? Mm. Um, who's going to who's going to rent a house to you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who's going to give you a loan for your car? No exactly. one. Like. Yeah. Um. So. Um. Yeah. That's the income side of things. Yeah. And and I'd probably just put it into a couple of buckets. I'd say income from employment. Did you work a job? Income from the government. Did you get a benefit? Income from investments. Yeah. Did you sell shares or some other form of Did you have interest? Did you have dividends? Did you have a rental property? Sell a property. Yeah. So all of these things. Yeah. So basically three buckets that I would really consider. Am I invested in anything? And did I get any money from that? Do I have a job? And did I get any government benefits? Probably on the borderline of two technical hit in. Yeah. There is a difference between ordinary income and capital income. Yeah, that's right. If if you've sold an investment during the year or even a personal asset worth more than $10,000, uh, then you potentially could have a capital gain, which is capital income. And it's taxed slightly different, uh, not in terms of rates, but in terms of how you actually come to the income amount. Yeah, so there's like discounts mm. um, and... But depending on the type of asset, if it's a yeah. business and there's small business discounts, yeah. if it was an investment, then you could get the general discount if you've held it for long enough. Yeah. So I think we'll get into capital gains in another episode all by themselves because that can get a little bit complicated. But just remember, and for the purposes of this podcast, if you sold an asset during the year, call an accountant. Yeah. It's definitely important. Yeah. Um, so that flows through to deductions, Dan, because there's yes. also two different types of deductions. Yes, there is, Tim. Mm. There is employment-related deductions. Is this where you're going down? Well, yeah, I was just thinking um, capital-related expenses. Ah, uh, right. But what were you thinking? I was thinking employment and non-employment-related. Yeah, well, that's so true. Think that's first, true. There's you know, two different strings there, too. The first several labels in a tax return are all employment-related. Employment yeah. And then after that, you move into things that aren't employment-related. So, employment-related, motor vehicle, travel, yep. uniform. Self-education. Other work related. Did you use your phone? Did you use your internet? Did you work from home? That's it. Uh, these are all things that could be a deduction for you. So the best, the best, the overarching rule that I often tell clients is: Did you incur any expenses in gaining your income? Yeah. So were there things that you necessarily had to purchase? Yeah. As part of working in your job. Yeah, that's right. Now there are some exemptions to that rule and the f- main one that comes to my mind is clothing yeah the ato is a bit fickle on clothing the mm. other thing uh that comes to my mind dan is driving to and from work <laughs> yeah that's right so yeah this is, this is a good example so the overarching rule and the guiding principle they usually get is you needed to incur that expense in gaining your income there's a nexus between the income and the expense that's correct but my business shirt that doesn't have a logo on it, that isn't workplace specific. Yeah, like if you turned up in a singlet, then you'd be in trouble. But you, you, so you need yeah, to so wear you a business, need a business shirt. shirt. But that's not a tax deduction. It's not a deduction. You're not allowed to deduct that because the ATO have determined that you can use that shirt anywhere. Plain clothes, you could wear that on weekends. Exactly. So it's not business or work related. I was looking at this again recently, Dan, actually. Mm. And um, uniform is... They're very strict on it. Yeah. Because there's the um, a workplace that has a uniform should actually um, register. register. Yeah. 
And you've looked into this before as well. I have. I have looked and into this. Such a, I mean, I would love to know if they actually do hold this against anyone. And obviously, yeah. if you're trying to claim thousands of dollars of uniform, then uh, then it could be a thing. But uh, yeah, um, even just uniforms is quite a quite a technical area. Yeah. This, is, this is something raised by Big Nick as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, but basically the rules for uniforms are, and the rule. And they're not exactly the way the ATO spells them out, but the way that I would generally give advice would be, does the clothing you have, is it workplace specific? Does it have a logo on it? Is it protective in nature? Is it protective in nature is the other question. Or, uh, or, or, or high-vis high includes protective as yep. well. Uh, is it occupation specific? For instance, are you wearing a chef's pants? Or non-slip shoes if you're a nurse. <laughs> exactly. So... They're really, if you ticked yes to any of those, you can claim the cost of purchasing and cleaning those uniforms. Yeah, like uh, protective boots if you're a tradie. Yeah. Uh, if they're not steel cap, they're not protective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, so your RM Williams, sorry, fellas, yeah. they don't count. Mm. <laughs> here's, here's another funny one. Even your, uh, your drill pants, most of the time, aren't deductible. They have to be like specific type for them to be deductible. Mm. Uh one that I alluded to earlier in the episode, uh, if you're a physio and you've got joggers or if you're a PT and you've got joggers, you could consider them protective. They are not deductible. Yeah. There's actually a specific private ruling on this matter Yeah. that clearly outlines, no, you cannot claim a deduction for those those shoes. Actually, I might even look up a um, the ATO guideline on general things that are not deductible. I think there's also it's like... probably a... Um, I've read a thing on this recently. So even like um, reading glasses, so your specs, yep, yep. not deductible. No, um, you can claim things like sunglasses and because they're protective, um, sunscreen, they're sun protective. Yep. Um, air hostesses can claim moisturizer if they if they yep. can, but no one else can. No, so there are there, so apart from the general <laughs> rules, there are occupation specific rules, and it's always a good idea if you're doing this yourself. Uh, look it up. The ATO often have. Occupation guide stuff, yeah. yeah. So they have a guide on teachers. They'll have a guide on personal trainers. They have a guide on, uh, you know, air hostesses because these people have specific requirements for their job and that require uh, specific rulings. Same as nurses. Uh, you know, a nurse is allowed to claim for a fob watch. No one else is. Do you know, Dan, um, if you are required to have a high level of fitness, generally only available to police and military personnel, uh, mm. of a specific nature, so say commandos, yep. then you can claim the cost of fitness. Yeah, you know nobody that? else can. But not as a personal trainer. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> not as a personal trainer. Yeah, so there are very specific occupation-specific uh, deductions here. Uh, so the other things to think about, of course, uh, with work-related things, uh, the other category really is other business-related, uh, sorry, other work-related expenses. And this would include your phone, uh, internet, stationery, home office, home office. So do you work from home or have a space allocated at your home for work? There's a rate that you can claim per hour. Uh, do you, uh, have, have you had to buy any professional fees or professional libraries or anything of these natures of this nature that, um, <clears throat> that relates to your work, uh, you can claim as a deduction, uh, Self-education expenses. Now, that's a funny one. There are some mm. odd rules around that. You're best to contact your accountant. Um, you've got to add back $250 for particular expenses in that category. Uh, and you also had to have either demonstrated that it will either increase your income in your current role or uh, maintain your, your knowledge 
I think it is. I think they're the two criterias. Uh, but if yeah. you start that education before your job, not a deduction. Well, it needs to have like a um, a likelihood to improve your income. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's two criteria and that's one of them. And they, they straight away deduct minus $250 from your expenditure for yeah. some reason. Like, who yeah. knows? But driving to and from uni is deductible, Dan. Yeah, but driving to and from work, <laughs> not, not deductible. deductible. And the reason Unless you're stopping somewhere or carrying heavy equipment. Yeah, and it can't be securely locked up at work. Yeah. The reason behind that is, well, the ATO is like, well, it's up to you where you want to live. You choose where to live. So you can't claim your travel to and from work, assuming right. that it's to the ordinary work location. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so the very specific rules. Motor vehicle as well, you have two different options to claim expenses there. You can do a logbook method, uh, which means you've taken a logbook for three months. Uh, you've calculated how much you use that vehicle as a percentage of kilometers traveled over that three months uh, for business purposes or for work-related purposes. And then you apply that percentage to the, all of the costs of that vehicle for the year, including uh, interest on finance, depreciation, and all the other running costs. Uh, the other method is you add up the amount of uh, kilometers that you've traveled for work-related purposes during the year. And... There's a rate that you can times that against up to a maximum of 5,000 Ks. So these are the two ways that you can claim motor vehicle costs. Um, look, at, look at the ATO website for further information or contact your accountant. That's it. Yeah. So as we're trying, I guess what we're trying to convey here is it is complicated. Yeah. And even if your mate at the pub told you that you can claim mm. something, it just, it may not convey that same meaning in your circumstance. Yeah, that's right. Um, so if you have a friend who's an air hostess and like, I claim all my moisturizer. Well, it could be different for them. Yeah. So you really do need to speak to someone if your claims are specific in nature. Yeah. And you do have deductions to make. Yeah. So in other words, it's complicated. You're best to contact your accountant. It's always complicated. And people yeah. ask me questions all the time. Well, can yeah. I claim this? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I, sometimes I just have to check. Yeah, yeah, I, I do as well. I have I to said, look I'm at it. Sure. And it's funny because personal tax returns are sometimes such small jobs for accountants or yeah. such small billing jobs. Mm. But then you spend the most time looking up um, court cases and tax rulings yeah, and ATO because, yeah. advice on things. It's just because it is so... Uh, intricate all these laws and because they are built on case law a lot of the time uh it's yeah it's just important that you see someone if you've got something specific that you want to claim uh so the other types of deductions are non-work related and these include things like tax agent fees so as we mentioned earlier you can get a tax deduction for the cost of getting your tax return done last year uh, you can also claim traveling to and from that accountant if you had to drive there or if you had to travel there, they're interstate or something, uh, provided it was for the sole purpose of that. The other things that you can claim, donations. Donations. Over income, $2. Income protection insurance premiums. Income protection insurance. Yep. Not, not in super. Yeah. So these, and there are other ones as well, certain election expenses and things like that yeah. that just no one really ever claims, uh, but are options. Ah, another one this year, Tim. Super. Yeah, that's right. If you make an after-tax contribution to your super fund, uh, you can get a tax deduction for that. Hmm. Provided, obviously, you're not contributing over your caps. Otherwise, it's going to get taxed more on your super fund and it's not worth it. But I like it. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Uh, so the other part of your tax return is offsets. Now, this can get a little bit complicated. There are different ones. If you're a, a mature age worker, if you're living in a remote area, 
these are all things that will give you uh, certain tax offsets that will be uh, applied against uh, the tax that you owe. Uh, and an offset is different to a deduction as well because a deduction reduces the income and an offset reduces the actual tax that you're going to uh, have to pay. Yeah, so it's kind of like the tax withheld on your wages. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Now, offsets can be great. There's like the small business offset, uh, low income tax offset, which you already mentioned. Um, there's some superannuation offsets if you've got like an income stream. Yeah, super. That's right. There's the um, there's, I really like this one. If you're over the age of 65, senior and pensioners tax offsets. Mm-hmm. That's right. There's the special zone offsets. I've already mentioned that one. Uh huh. I wasn't listening to you clearly. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there are lots of offsets. We won't get into them here, but just be aware that they do exist. If you think you might be entitled to one, or you heard that you might be contact your accountant or look it up but yeah just be aware that they do exist uh so then what happens you've got your income you've minus off all your deductions you apply your tax rates to that taxable income that you left over with you minus any offsets and then you add certain other taxes payable including the medicare levy and the medicare levy surcharge and your help and student yeah, compulsory debt help debt repayment repayments that is an often adds. misunderstood area yeah. as well. Yeah, it's probably a whole other podcast as well we could probably get into. But Just the other day, I had someone call me mm. and said, oh, I paid $2,000 off to my help debt this year. Yeah. Um, I thought that would bring down the amount that I would owe when I do my tax. Yeah. It's like, oh, no. Yeah. You're not getting that two grand back no. and you may owe mm. some in your tax. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's complex. Yeah. And, th- and there are changes that could potentially be coming to that area as well, having to start paying it off a little bit earlier. Does that mean if you have a help debt, you should see an accountant, Dan? I think it's probably a good idea. Probably. If you're, pay- if you're repaying your help yeah. debt. What if you end up with a massive payable without realizing it? Well, and we- there might be something you could do about it. We have a friend who um, was getting fringe benefits, had a help debt. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't lodge through us, but mm-hmm. he did call me and speak to me at length about it. So yeah, he needs an accountant. He's yeah. lucky he knows me. Because there are things that add back to your income when they're calculating these other amounts payable and the offsets. So you might have, you know, you might work for a benevol- bene- this benevolent, benevolent, this side has gone to my <laughs> mouth apparently, a benevolent institution and you get a certain amount of fringe benefits for free. Um, which happens. Uh, so your income's only 40000 but you've got 17000 worth of fringe benefits. That adds back to your income when calculating things like your help debt. Yep. So really, you've suddenly gone over the threshold. You haven't had the right amount of tax withheld because you're only being taxed on 40000 Yeah. and you've got a $2,000 tax bill. Scary stuff. It happens. It happens. It does. In this scenario, with someone um, getting a company car, had a fringe benefit coming mm. through to their tax return. Yeah. Fairly good income. Yeah. Owed like four grand in tax. Bit of a sting. Nasty. Bit of a sting. Nasty. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so that's just something else to consider that, yeah, you might be under the threshold, but there could be things that add back that are going to cause you to pay a bit of extra tax, a bit of extra tax, and it's always better to talk to an accountant to figure that out. Uh, so, at the end of that, you come up with a figure, your tax refund or payable. Now, I think I read a stat that a huge majority of people get refunds. I might even be able to find that, Dan. I've got a bit yeah. of an ATO stat fact sheet yeah. in front of me. I could tell you um, top 10 postcodes by average taxable income. 
Oh, yeah? <laughs> I could also tell you top Should... 10 occupations by average taxable income. Yeah. Should have been in the medical profession. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I don't think accountant's going to be that far up that list. Surgeons on average, 400 grand. Ugh. On average. We're smart enough to be surgeons, Tim. Why don't we go do that? Have a guess. What do you think the uh, number one postcode was for average taxable income? Um, is this Australia-wide? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say two zero four one. Damn, you were close. What was it? Two zero two seven. Ooh. Darling Point, Edgecliff. Yeah, I knew it would be around there. Somewhere. On average, $192,000. On average? That's for the tax returns lodged, people a, living in that area. It's a rich street. That's hectic, hey? Mm. It's not a street. That's a postcode, Dan. Yeah, but I'm, I'm imagining it's not a huge town. Yeah, true. I don't really know what Darling Point is. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, so yeah, you come down with this figure, you lodge it with the ATO. Within two weeks, you'll normally get a notice of assessment, which just tells you what your taxable income was, what the tax was made up of, and when it's going to come to you or when you need to pay by. And then you pay it, you're done. You're done for the year. Yeah. The interesting thing is the ATO has all of your stats. So yeah. they do a lot of data matching. They do. Um, so... So, yeah, um, if you're outside of that, that's a red flag. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Likely to be reviewed. So, what it means is if you're claiming a motor vehicle deduction for $10,000, but everyone else in your industry, because you have to let them know what your job is, uh, if everyone else doing your job only claims 1000 then you're out of those averages, and that's when you're going to be audited. So, if they're legitimate claims, you have nothing to worry about. Yep. If they're not, that's when you're going to get that letter that says, hey, you might want to review what you claimed this is pretty cool. Mm. Average gifts or donations. Mm. The highest state is New South Wales. Mm. $750 on, on average. average. Yeah. The median is 150 Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. So, there's obviously some people gifting a lot. Yeah. And that's interesting because um, a lot of people donate to their church. That's true. That is very true. Interesting. So, anyway, uh, so yeah. there are plenty of other things that we could be discussing here. Uh, for instance, how you should keep your receipts during the year. I mean, there's lots of strategies. You can get apps that keep your deductions. I think there is an ev- there even is an ATO app that lets you take pictures of your receipts and keep them all filed till the end of the year. There are other apps that are out there. Uh, something that I've seen people do is just take pictures with their phone and upload it to their Google Docs, put it in a file in there That's and awesome. leave it till the end of the year. That works well. Uh, yeah. Make a note of your expenditure. Yep. Have a specific bank account for... For work-related expenses, if you have a lot of them. Yeah, so th- these are all strategies. Uh, it's probably another one that we could get into, how to record keep when you're not a business. <laughs> mm. But yeah, so th- these are definitely things to think of um, and consider. I think we've probably waffled on enough about individual tax returns, Tim. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Cool. So, Tim, what is your other thing this week then? I actually um, made a list this week. I did as well. (laughs) Maybe we should do a couple of other things. All right, go for it. Okay. Uh, Here's a funny other thing. Wait, wait, wait. All right, go. Here's a funny other thing for you, Dan. Have you ever seen the New Zealand Air Force logo? I have not. Matt, uh, could you think of possibly what it would be? It would have... It's a bird. Oh, it's a kiwi. Yeah, did you know Kiwi birds don't fly? <laughs> I did. I did. How would that be? Yeah. Their Air Force logo. What's the name of that? Um, there's that other bird there 
that when I, I was in Queenstown recently, and it's not, it's not a Kiwi, but it looks just like, it's like the Honey, I Blew Up the Kids version of a Kiwi. Like someone just shot it with an enlarged ray and it just, it's bigger than you. Like it's, it's a big, it's a big bird. Yeah. Um, tiny wings yeah and it's, yeah looks they, good they all went extinct but that but you know only you know 150 years ago they were running around new zealand these oh, weird giant kiwis yeah that were called something else but anyway sorry go on so yeah. it's a kiwi a flightless bird yeah. is there is a... maybe maybe they don't have an air force <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm guessing it's not great because that's funny mm. Mm. uh the other thing is um kanye west released a new album he did he also admitted he's uh bipolar Really? Yeah, well, oh. the album's called I Hate Being Bipolar. It's awesome. That's what it says on the front cover. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's oh. flipping. It's actually called Yay. Yeah, but on the front cover it says ah, okay. I Hate Being in one of Bipolar. His... I, it's awesome. Yeah, in one of his... Yeah, that's actually... That's yeah. a great lyric. That's yeah. why I love Kanye, like yeah. lyrics like that. Mm. Um, also, Father John Misty released a new album. Yeah, I'm, I've never um, really listened much to Father John I'm a big Misty. fan of his. Yeah, I know you are. Tells his stories. Hmm. And uh, I've got several other things to say here, but the last thing I want to leave you with, Dan, mm. this is a question. Go for it. Why do good shirts divide people so much? Good shirts? Oh, <laughs> what, what is this in relation to? Your shirt? Yeah, this is in relation the to shirt a shirt wore I wore the num- yeah, a couple okay. of weeks ago. <laughs> First time I ever wore this shirt. I put it on and I was like, I had just bought it and I thought, this is a cool shirt. I really, I really like this shirt. Yeah. They're a little bit loud, maybe. Mm. But I was thinking, that's ah, all right. Like, yep. we're going out. We're going to have a boisterous night out. Yeah. Anyway, first thing, I, first thing that said to me when I turned up to Dan's birthday, mind you, is, oh, Dan. Dan saying, oh, Tim, did you borrow your dad's shirt tonight, did you? <laughs> yeah, it's still funny. <laughs> uh, the reason that's funny is because your dad wears loud shirts with patterns and things on it and this shirt was just something that he'd wear yeah it was, it was a funny. negative reaction yeah it was wasn't for me i had a very positive <laughs> laugh about it uh tim wears daggy shirts sometimes all sorts of people now, that tim, i didn't even know I, I i can understand your pain in this yes i was the one tormenting you most of the night about the shirt but i also have a shirt that I think is great, and some other people have told me it's fantastic. What is it? The cactus one? No, I like the cactus. Oh, Everyone sorry. likes that one. And then, and then other people rip into me about it. And it's a short sleeve button up, and it's got blue and white stri- thick stripes, right? Now, most people tell me it's my pajamas shirt. <laughs> yeah, that is a horrible shirt. I've had some people tell me, complete strangers come up to me and say, I really like your shirt. <laughs> so I don't know what to believe. I'm getting compliments left, right, and center in public, uh, but amongst my friends, shocking. I'm an idiot. That's shocking. I don't know. I wasn't sure whether to take them as compliments that people were noticing or... Yeah. You know what I really think it is about Dan? Yeah, it's not jealousy. No, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say it's tall poppy syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, Dan, mm. if I was wearing that shirt and I was an American... Would they cut me down for that shirt? Probably not. Or would they not. praise me for being different and unique and rising? Yeah, why don't you move to America then, you poppy? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm in Australia and I uh, want to be different. No, see, I the, get cut right down. No, That's see, what happens to the tall poppy here. The, the, the thing about that, Tim, is you actually have to be a tall poppy to be cut down. You are not one. Your shirt was average at best. <laughs> so why did you notice me, Dan? <laughs> because it was a rubbish shirt. Because it was unique. Wasn't it was unique. special. Yeah, no, you're right. 
you bought a unique shirt from Cotton. They made one of a kind for Should you. Should we Tim. describe the shirt to the <laughs> listeners? No, or? that's not. That's not. <laughs> I want to. I want to start a poll. <laughs> let's take. We're going to put a picture of it. We're going to put it on our Facebook, and our listeners can decide. All right. All right. All right. right. So, here's my other things. Yeah. Far away. Uh, the first one is a podcast called Russia. If you're listening, fantastic podcast made by the ABC. Everyone have a listen. Nice. It's about the uh, investigation into Trump over the collusions with Russia. Just gives a backstory. I keep hearing about this and mm. I don't know. I'm like, nah, who really gives a shit? But yeah, I thought the same thing? thing, but I was bored and I listened to it and yeah, it was fascinating. Creepy so, stuff. Yeah. Just like, it's not, it's not solving the world's problems, but it's just an interesting view, like look into what it's actually all about. Mm. Anyway, the other uh, thing I want to talk about is auto braking. What is that? When you have a nice vehicle... Ah. A regular, a new vehicle. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Most of them have a safety feature these days where it's, it can break for it you. It breaks for you if, if you're you in go traffic. On less than a certain yeah, if you're going less than a certain uh, speed and you're approaching something or someone's about to hit you, uh, then it breaks for you. Now, the reason I bring this up is because Katrina, right, the love of my life, Katrina, <laughs> was backing out of a car park when this hoon came out of nowhere flying straight for her car, going to hit it, right? The car stopped for... What happened? Him. The car sensed it, stopped, turned off. You know how like you have the start-stop? So the car slammed to a stop. Is this Cat's car? Cat's or the... car. Wow. Slammed to a stop, did the turn-off thing. Um, big emergency brake thing popped up on the dash and narrowly missed by the car that was flying past her. Fuck, insurance companies would love that. Yeah, it's, what, a, what a feature. What a feature. I was in a car park once. I was backing up, Dan. Yeah. Someone looked like they were going to run into the back of me. Mm. They were in like a nice Volkswagen ute, yeah. like an Amarok or something. Yeah. Anyway, it like I, I didn't think the guy slammed his brakes on. I thought the car did it for him. Yeah, because the look did. of shock on his face and his lurch forward, because yeah. he just didn't see my car, yeah. was amazing. I was yeah. like, holy shit. Wait, 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 wait. Katrina drives a Volkswagen. When were you driving past this car? <laughs> what? <laughs> She's not in were, an Amarok. Were you the hoon? <laughs> no, Dan. I was the one backing out. All yeah. right? I was the one at risk here. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought amazing technology. Uh, wanted to give it a wrap. That's cool. Very cool. All right. That about ends. Uh, no, it doesn't, Dan. Uh, okay. It doesn't end. There is a punishment it? to be dished. For what? For you, Dan. I have a gripe. What's your gripe? I have a major gripe. What's your gripe? Spell it to me. It's relating to ping pong. It happened this week. <laughs> Dan hasn't been going so well at ping pong this week. I don't know what you're talking about. He lost to me. He challenged. And in our mm. rules, you get, you get one challenge a week. Anyway, he lost his challenge. Mm. Did you make a challenge today, Dan, in the same week that you already failed a challenge? No, I didn't do a challenge to you Did you challenge Michael? I did, but I didn't challenge you earlier Yes, this you week. did. Why were you minus five against Did me? I? And why were you minus five against Michael? I don't remember doing that. Oh, strange for a guy with such good memory. You know what? I might have broken the rules. So, if so I what's need a the punishment. punishment, Dan? What is the punishment? Well, here's the punishment. I lost that anyway, so it made no difference. I think the punishment should be that over air to our listeners that you should admit you are the worst ping pong player. <laughs> Ever to work in the cat's accountant's office place. All right. Well, what I'm going to do here is... We're not ending this podcast. I'm moving on. 
We're not uh, ending this podcast. We, we put a post out to everybody and we said, name my favorite alcoholic beverage. <laughs> and we put a picture of me uh, holding the cider and uh, it said, this photo may or may not be a hint. Hint, it is not. Hint two, it's girly. <laughs> and we've, we've had a few guesses, actually. And, and there's some great three gifts of them, coming up. Too. Three of them got them right. The gifts are amazing. Three of them got them right. I'm going to give them a shout out. Uh, the first shout out goes to Brett McDonald. And he's put a picture of Neil deGrasse Tyson in the popular television series, Cosmos. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll notice I said Cosmos, Tim. And not my favorite beverage, Cosmos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> William James, otherwise known as Bill Thu, uh, or William, uh, also William. put a picture of Neil deGrasse Tyson. So obviously he knew. Saying, can I get an amen? <laughs> <laughs> uh Dennis Little also with a picture of uh, one of the girls from uh, Sex in the City. Sex in the City. Uh, Catherine Connolly. Big Nicks. Yeah. Baby uh, Mama. She put Cosmos. She knows she was there on the weekend when I, I downed a few of them. And a few of them gave some wrong guesses. A couple guesses. of people were tricked by the, yeah, uh, so the cider. Were, yeah. Carrie Gard. Uh, my cousin Lauren and. Uh, Chris Foster all got it wrong. Chris Foster, it seems like he intentionally yeah. said white wine spritzer because that so. sounds like something pretty gross to drink. Anyway. So, Dan, before we finish, I just yeah. want you to make this admission of guilt. All right, I'm going to do it. Here on the podcast, because I did the wrong thing this week, I'm going to admit. Admit it. I will admit. Apologize. All right? Apologize. I apologize for my discrepancy this week. And? Calculator. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what a cop out. <laughs>